about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened.
the children all come forward, please? We have to move up a little. Hang here, just join right here. It is so great to see you all here today, and you all look beautiful. And happy Easter to everybody. Happy Easter to you. We're just gathered here today with such joy, and I think with the, the songs that you have heard and the words that you've heard so far, you feel that, don't you? It's a happy day here. Now, you might remember a number of weeks ago, we were sitting, well, right there, and we talked about a very different feeling, not necessarily a big feeling of joy, but that we were going to take some time and we were going to take the word, alleluia. And you went out and you collected it. Do you remember that? And we put it into a box. We closed the box up. And I said, there will be a day that we get to open that box and let those alleluias out. Do you think that day has arrived? It did. We heard it in the songs that we sang in the beginning, didn't we? We're saying hallelujah again. Now the reading, the scripture reading that you're going to hear is going to be, well, you've already heard part of it, but it starts out sad and it gets kind of happy. People go to the tomb, women go to the tomb where Jesus was laid after he died and they felt sad. They had just lost their, their teacher, their friend, a person they had spent so much time with. And they get there, and there had been a big stone rolled in front of the doorway in. And that stone was rolled away. And where his body had been laid, it was gone. They were very scared. They were very sad. They were nervous. And as they stood there, and we already heard this reading, somebody spoke to them and said, well, why, why are you looking for him here? Why are you looking for the living where there should be a dead person? And those women who went to the tomb, they were still a little bit scared, but they knew, they knew that all that Jesus had taught them during their time together, that he would be back. He was back. And they were so happy. Hallelujah. In time. They were still a little scared at this point. So, me to thinking about us here today. Happy. Here we are. We're singing joyful songs and we're happy. But do we get to look and see Jesus? Do we get to listen and hear Jesus? Boy, that would make us sad, wouldn't it? And it'd be like, oh, that's a good story. But what about me? Where is Jesus? He's up, away. That's how we feel sometimes, right? He's up in heaven. That's, that's what the Bible said. He, he, he rose from the dead and he went back up to heaven. It says other things, too. Let me tell you a little quick story. This happened a number of years ago. How many of you know my oldest daughter, Elena, the real tall one? She comes down and helps me sprout sometimes. She's taller than me now. Well, this was back a number of years ago. She was about two and a half, three years old. And we were sitting in the dining room, and we were at the window. I was sitting on the floor, and she was standing looking out the window. And it was summer, and it was a breezy day. 
And I like to garden, so I have lots of flowers outside my dining room window. And I think it smelled a little bit like it smells in here today. The breeze was blowing and the flowers were there and there was this fabulous smell blowing through the window. And we were just there enjoying it. And you know what she said to me? She was three years old, maybe, maybe not even three years old. She said to me, you know, Mom, that smell, that's Jesus coming through the window. And I love that story. I love that moment. So I'm thinking about that story. Where is Jesus? Well, let's see. I'm going to kind of think of Jesus and the word hallelujah as the same thing right now. If Elena felt that Jesus was floating in our window on the smell of flowers, is Jesus in the flowers? Is Jesus in the flowers here? You think he is? I think he is. You know, if you look, you'll see on some of the flowers little butterflies. Who can read the word that's trailing off the butterflies? Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so maybe Jesus is in these flowers right here in this, in this room with us right now. Where else could Jesus be? Right here. Okay. In our hearts, right? What about all these people out here? Is Jesus in their hearts? Mm -hmm. Where do we learn about Jesus? Okay, in Sunday school. And what did we just get done? What did you just get that was special a couple months ago that helps us in Sunday school? Your Bible. Does anybody out there have a Bible in front of them that says, Hallelujah? Hold it up if you have one. If it says it right on there, oh, there's one right there. See? A butterfly. Hallelujah. There's another one. Hallelujah. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. There's one, oh, on the music stand. And one on the window looking outside where it's, there's nature. And one over there by the trees and the blue sky. And one on the piano where we hear music. And one on those flowers. That's a special one. That one's on the table. What's on the table with it? The wine and the bread. That's right. Communion. And we know that Jesus is with us on the days when we have communion. That's a day when we can really just feel like he's right there with us. So it's a time to think about just all the places Jesus is. Yes, we can think of him as being up in heaven, but then you know what? He's away from us. Jesus is inside of you and inside of all of these people and in the flowers and in the rain and in the birds singing in the morning and in the bread. Everywhere. And I bet your moms and your dads see him in you. And I know, even though you probably never thought about it that way, you see him in them. 
and your mom and dad. Let's take a moment and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this Easter story today. Thank you for just telling us that, that you're there with us, that we might not see you at first. But if we look and if we listen, you're right next to us. Amen. was a little excited about sharing my story. <laughs> Got caught up in the moment. <clears throat> now, on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to the condemned to death and crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a visions of angels and who said that he was alive some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said but they did not see him then he said to them oh how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe that all of the prophets have declared was it not necessary that the messiah should offer these things and then enter into his glory then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all of the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while we was, he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their, their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
There were no reporters, no paparazzi, nobody had a cell phone handy. There was no way to get kind of a on-the-spot report, to take a quick picture with a phone, to send out an instant message by, by, by text or Twitter or email or Facebook or Skype or whatever way it is that we send out messages so quickly now. None of that. So how do we know it's true? How do we know it happened? How do we know that the most important qualification, maybe, for, for Jesus to, to be our Savior, to be our, our link to God, to be our promise of everlasting life, how do we know it's all true? That he is risen. That he's alive. Well, all four Gospels do have the fact of the empty tomb. That somebody somewhere somehow came and discovered the empty tomb. And then interestingly enough, all four Gospels also have this uh, stories of people who found the empty tomb. And it's pretty clear that in those stories there's confusion and there's fear and there's bewilderment and there's going back and telling other people and nobody believes them. And there's all this, all this mix-up at the empty tomb and in the reports about the empty tomb. They didn't get it. It's really clear that they didn't get it. They didn't understand. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. And it's a good thing that it doesn't end there because an empty tomb, you know, you might be tempted, as I'm sure some of the people were at that time, to say, okay, an empty tomb? So what? Uh, you know, an empty tomb maybe by itself is about as good as a sign that says George Washington slept here. No, no, no. Something else is going on here. And I think the key words for me always are, are what they hear at the tomb. He is not here. Get it? He's not here. You know, so if you look at the empty tomb and say, so what? This is it. So what? He's not here. That means he's somewhere else. Hello? Go out there. <laughs> Get out of here and go find where he is. So then our question becomes, where is he? Where is Jesus? In the last uh, years, and this has probably always been true, it just seems really a lot in my lifetime. There's been a lot of interest in the historical Jesus and what life was actually like at the time of Christ and figuring out, you know, exactly um, what people thought, what Jesus meant, what was going on politically at that time. We love that stuff, don't we? I know, we eat it up. Every time I have a sermon that includes kind of the historical details, I always get a lot of comments. Oh, that was really interesting. I learned something new. We really love that. We're, we're fascinated by facts, and we're tantalized by the truth, and we want archaeological agreement with everything we believe in our faith, don't we? And it's why I think things like the Da Vinci Code and other books that have some historical, biblical basis are so popular because we're kind of hungry for, you know, what we think of as the real story about what's going on. But the closer and closer we get to the historical Jesus, the more you really realize that that's not where Jesus is. That's, Jesus isn't here. Jesus isn't in those words. That is not where Jesus is. And I love that stuff too. I'm saying that as somebody who's trained as a teacher and historian, I, I, you can't give me enough information. But the question about where Jesus is is not a historical question. It's a faith question. 
And that's not a cop-out. I mean, this is really true. This is a faith question. This is a question of experience. It's not just something you can get out of a book. It's something you have to live. So if you're, the, the question is, where is Jesus? Is this all true? Can I find proof that he's alive? Can I actually get to a point where I can answer the faith question? Yes, absolutely you can. I am here to tell you today this question can be answered. And that the Emmaus Road story has things to tell us about how to answer this question. But let's back up first to the empty tomb and the fact that we know there are no eyewitness written on the spot accounts of the empty tomb. But you know what? For the early Christians, those people right around the time of Jesus, it didn't matter. You hear that? It was, it was important, but in the end, when it really came down to do I believe in Jesus, the empty tomb really didn't matter all that much. And you want to know why? Want to know why? They didn't need the empty tomb to prove to them that Jesus was alive because they were living the fact that Jesus was alive. As far as they were concerned and could tell and had proof daily, Jesus was living amongst them. They were feeling it. They, were, they knew it. There were still miracles being performed. People were still being healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus was there. Preaching was going on and hundreds of converts were made. That was Jesus being there. They were able to stand up to persecution and like walk into courts and be all courageous because Jesus was there amongst them. Peter, who had been a fisherman, all of a sudden was this really glib guy and, and a powerful leader. Well, you know, that was because Jesus was there. They were feeling the power. They had the Holy Spirit. They were joyful. They were at peace. You didn't need to talk to them about the empty tomb and, and tell them that Jesus wasn't there. They said, we know that because Jesus is here. We're experiencing, we're living it, we're living the life. And in the end, isn't that what you really want? I mean, what really matters? Does it, what, is, is what matters the story? Is it nice to know that the story was real and true? Or is what you want, the reason why you sit here on an Easter morning, isn't what you want life? Life today, now, in your everyday lives, you want the power to get from day to day. You want the strength to face hard times. You want to know how your faith relates to your family and to your workplace and things like that. You want Jesus alive now, here, present, in your life, right? That is what is important. And that is exactly what those people had discovered. That's exactly what they were living. And they knew how to talk about it, too. We have a tendency to use a lot of words. I'm guilty. I know. I'm a pastor. This is. I'm going to be using a lot of words. That's just how I am. And, and you know, and I have books full and shelves full of, of books about uh, Bible and theology and history and stuff. And there's a whole lot of words there. Do you know the guy I followed, the pastor I followed in Apple Creek, had 10,000 books. 10,000. And 35 magazine subscriptions. He had a, a room in the, in the parsonage that was full of books, like a little library, and, and the pastor's office was full of books. People came in for months after I came and said, wow, it looks different in here, because it wasn't chock full of 5,000 books. But you know, in all those books, it's not said as well as what the early Christians said, the teaching about Jesus. This is what they said. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was raised. Jesus appeared. That's it. That was the, the kerygma, the early teaching of the church. Jesus died. 
was buried, was raised, appeared. That's all they needed to know. That was it. That was kind of the main core of what they were preaching. That's a nice short sermon, isn't that? We preserve a little bit of it still kind of in our communion service. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. But I really like the way they did it. Jesus appeared. Jesus appeared. Not is coming again in some end times on the clouds. Jesus appeared. He appeared yesterday to them. He might appear today. He might appear tomorrow. He might appear in the next five minutes. He might be appear here. He might appear somewhere else. Once you get into this mindset that Jesus is alive and not in the tomb but is here, all of a sudden this appearing has a whole new meaning and the possibilities are endless. And they were experiencing this. They were seeing Jesus. He was appearing to them in one form or another. And not just the people that, like, went to the tomb or the people on the road to Emmaus or the people who, you know, kind of according to the accounts, uh, um, you know, saw Jesus sometime between resurrection and ascension. We're talking about people even generations later and in total other times and places, like Stephen, like Paul, like many others that were never named. Jesus had appeared to them. And it was real. And, and so all of a sudden, that's all you needed to know. He died, he was buried, he, he rose, and he appeared and is appearing and will appear again anytime now. You can't predict it. You can't control it. It's kind of like what they say in the Narnia Chronicles about Aslan, who's the Christ figure. He's not a tame lion, you know. But he might appear anytime. He does appear. We know he appears. We're living it. And it was only after they'd been experiencing it for a couple generations that they went back and wrote the Gospels. Because they were experiencing this Jesus and they started to think, well, other people need to know who this Jesus is that we are already feeling. And then they went back and wrote this account of, of Jesus' life and times. And they were not, they're not biographies. Pay attention to this. These are not biographies. These are not histories. These are gospels. They are faith books. They are meant to bring us to believe. They are answer the faith questions. And so sometimes when we're looking for the proof or the facts, remember that what we've got are the gospels. And they're written by people who had the proof. We're living the proof. We're coming out of a, of a point of understanding exactly what Jesus is alive means. Because they'd met Jesus and they were able to say, he is here. And they wrote the Emmaus story. And the Emmaus story is one of the most perfect, I believe, perfect stories in the Bible. And it's so true. It's a true story. There might actually have been two followers who, for whom this happened, but the, the truth in it is this is what people were experiencing. And this is how they were meeting Jesus and could say Jesus is here. Notice the different ways that they meet Jesus. First, they met Jesus on the road. This is how Jesus comes to us. This is how God comes to us on the journey, somewhere along the road. And they were sad and confused. And maybe Jesus is even more likely to come to us on the road when we're sad and confused. And while he was walking with them, he taught them about the scriptures. I love this. <laughs> you know, they had this like eureka moment. Wow, the scriptures mean something? Oh, they, ha they have like there's a pattern there. <laughs> there's, there's something that relates to my life. Jesus like opens their eyes and, and, and they go, wow. And in fact, this was the experience of the early Christians. They went back and read the Hebrew scriptures and went, oh, look, Jesus, look, Jesus is here in the scriptures. Oh, look, look in Isaiah. It says stuff about the suffering servant and, and, and a woman shall conceive a child and for unto us a child is born. And they got all excited. They went, oh, look, Jesus is here in the scriptures. 
It's all about Jesus. Everything from Moses to Job to Jeremiah and all the prophets, they all realized we're about Jesus. And, we can, and that was Jesus teaching them. Our understanding is when we have those aha moments with Scripture still today, that's Jesus teaching us. Jesus is here in the Bible. It's not just this book with pages. Jesus is here teaching us. And you might have this oh, aha moment someday. You ever do that? You pick up the Bible and go, wow, that actually like, relates to my life. How about that? Jesus is right here in the Bible. So we still experience Jesus that way. Third, of course, they experience Jesus at the meal. That really beautiful, poignant moment that when Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it, they recognized him. They saw him for who he was in that meal. And it wasn't in church. It wasn't in a gathering. It was just the two of them who had showed hospitality to a stranger. And Jesus was there amongst them. And we understand that. And we still use you know, the liturgy. He took bread and blessed and broke it. We still use that. It's so, it's so meaningful to us because we, we believe that Jesus is here. But, you know, it's even more than that. It's Jesus is at the chili supper, at the ice cream social. When you sit down to a family meal, when people are eating a meal after a funeral and they're talking about somebody they loved who died, Jesus is there. In any meals, Jesus might possibly, potentially be there, especially when we're extending hospitality to strangers or feeding the hungry. And Jesus is here. And finally, what do they do? After they recognize Jesus, and he goes, whoop, he, he vanishes from their midst. Remember, seven miles. It's been a long day already, and they've traveled seven miles to Emmaus. They turn right around. They run back to Jerusalem, arriving there, who knows, in the wee hours of the morning, one has to imagine, before they get back to Jerusalem. And they run in, and guess what? Everybody's still awake, and they're all talking, and they're swapping stories. And going, oh, we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. Yeah, I know. We did, too. Did you hear the Simon Peter saw it? Remember what the women said? And yeah, and he was walking along, and then he was breaking bread, and he was telling us all about the scriptures. And they're all excited, and they're telling them all this stuff about Jesus. And they're realizing something that we realize as a faith community. You know, when we get together and share our stories and talk about our experiences with Jesus, Jesus is here. We go, wow, he's here. I've seen him. I didn't even realize it, but I did see him. He was here. He is here. When we get together, when we sing together, when we worship together, when, when we do, you know, just hang out together, play softball together. Jesus is here. This is a, such a huge part of who we are as Christians, that Jesus is here in community. As Methodists, we tell the story of John Wesley had this like spiritual awakening moment when his heart was strangely warmed. And what was his reaction? It's kind of like the Emmaus people. He ran through the streets at night to tell his brother Charles that he'd had this experience. Could not wait to tell him, to share that story. That's what we do. We get all excited. And, and every time we come together and can share the stories, then we go, Jesus is here. You know, we have these fabulous worship experiences. We sing Silent Night at Christmas, and we think, wow, Jesus was here. Or people go on those Emmaus retreats, and they come back full of love, and they, guess, they say, guess what? Jesus is here. Or they go to Costa Rica or Russia or Honduras or Liberia, and they come back, and they say, guess what? I found Jesus there, and, it's, and he's still here, and I'm feeling it. All these kinds of experiences, and we feel that Jesus is here in community. I kind of have a story that's a little bit like Jenny's about how I finally had, I, I, well, not finally, but I had my eyes open to the concept that the community, who we are together is Jesus. 
when I was a pastor of one of my first churches, a little church in a little town, and I was at a carnival in town, and I was, I was like at the PTO booth, and I was painting faces, and this little girl who went to our church came, and she was with her grandfather, and I painted her a little, little something or other on her cheek, and then she went home. And her mom said, Carly, who painted your face? And she said, she said, you know, that person at church, you know, that one who wears that, you know, that thing, you know, Jesus, that's who painted my face. I've never forgotten that. Jesus, that's, that's who we are when we're together and doing things. And we don't even have to be in church. And Jesus is here. Do you need proof? Do you need facts? I don't think so. We live it. Jesus is here in our shared journey as we read scriptures, as we grieve, as we laugh, as we eat, as we play. Jesus is here. Jesus lived. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He rose again. He's not in the tomb. He is here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Will you take some time to think about all the different times that you have met Jesus?
this is the feast. This day is the feast, the great holy festival of Easter. And I want to invite you, wherever you are, whoever you are traveling along your road, to eat with us today. You are all welcome. Any age, any faith tradition, any guilt or burden you bear, you may come to the table. The table is open because this is God's grace and it's available to all. Who knows, Jesus may come to us in the breaking of bread this very day. Let us prepare for the meal first by confessing and opening ourselves up to God. So let us pray. Jesus, when you walked with two on the road to Emmaus, you asked them what was on their hearts. They stopped in the middle of the road and they were sad. We too are sad today, grieved by our own sins and burdens. We keep thinking you're going to save us to make everything perfect, but you're not that kind of a savior. Forgive us our ignorance and impatience. We've really not paid attention to your word and will for the world. Forgive us, Jesus. Open our hearts to what you are trying to say to us. Call us to do whatever you want of us. Lord, we rarely have the gift of hospitality that these disciples showed, inviting a stranger in. Forgive us. Teach us to greet the stranger, the wanderer, the hungry, wherever they meet us in life. Amen. Before his arrest and death, Jesus gave us the cup of forgiveness. He spoke the words of forgiveness on the cross, and he breathed the power of forgiveness into his disciples in one of his resurrection appearances. In the name of the living Christ, you are forgiven. Now it's time to give thanks and ask for God's blessing on this meal. God, we thank you for taking bread, ordinary bread, and making it a gift of love forever. Your son Jesus took on our form, an ordinary body, and made himself bread for the world. He showed us how to share love in the flesh. Jesus took bread and shared it with the people, saints and sinners alike. God, we thank you for blessing bread, for the blessing of the manna which you gave your people in the wilderness, for blessing and multiplying bread for the hungry, for blessing bread shared at the table with your friends. Jesus blessed us. He took children in his arms and blessed them. He blessed a wedding, the sick, a tax collector, a Samaritan woman, a blind man. And so we say, holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Hosanna in the highest. God, we thank you for breaking the bread. Jesus was broken and suffered for us to be one with us and to heal us. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also took the cup and blessed it and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. God, thank you for sharing the bread. On the third day after his death, Jesus appeared on the road to Emmaus and walked with two disciples. He shared with them your plan of salvation, and when he took bread and blessed and broke it, they knew him. With joy in their hearts, the two ran to share the good news. And Jesus continues to share himself with us this day. So God, take our lives and bless them. Break us where we need to be made new, that we may share with the world the good news that Jesus is alive and he is here. 
I'm going to invite you to repeat the words, the ancient words that we say in our communion service. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Will you say those with me? Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Come, Lord Jesus, be with us here, now, this morning, in bread and cup and community. Let us know life in you and see your life in others. Amen. Will the ushers come forward to serve the meal? put it up there already. Yeah, oh, I have enough for up there. Take and eat. Jesus is here.
prayer this morning. Lord, this Easter morning, we celebrate the fullness of life you offer to us. Each Easter reminds us of your grace and the new life we begin fresh today. What joy we share today, remembering the gift of eternal life you provide us. We know that whatever we face in life, you journey with us, not forcing your way in, but always extending the invitation to fellowship with you. We thank you for the faith community that walks along with us as well. Faith is not to be explored individually only, but it is most abundant in the community of believers. Let us not leave Easter after today, but take it with us into the coming year. Easter is a celebration, but also a model of how we are to live every day, open to you and to one another. Holding on to hope even in our darkest hours and recognizing when you come alongside of us. May we be a beacon of hope to those in our world that don't know the joy of all that Easter represents. Help us to be hope for the hopeless and light for those who live in dark places. Lord, you are never far from us, and we particularly feel your presence in this holy place this morning. Let us take a moment to pray silently for the communities of faith around the globe who will be singing your praises and celebrating Easter all day long. Let us take a moment to remember those who find Easter to be a lonely holiday that holds little joy. Lord, hear our prayers as you've heard them through the ages. And hear us this morning as we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven. This morning, as the ushers come forward to receive our offering, we do have a special Easter offering that we're taking up today. And if you want to use one of the white envelopes that you find in the pews, you can just write special Easter offering on there. The three places the money is going to go is to Chile, to Haiti, and to people at the Werner Church. And just remember that the gifts that you give today have far-reaching effects.
Let us pray. Lord, take these gifts we bring and the lives we bring to help end suffering around the globe and in our own neighborhoods. Help us to be people of action in a world that often waits for someone else to take the lead in alleviating suffering. Help us to be your agents of change. Amen. Would you please remain standing for our closing hymn, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Jesus is here, but he is also in your life. So when you go from this place, watch for him. We are going to be ending with the Hallelujah Chorus. You are invited to come on up and sing with us if you'd like to. There's extra copies of the score here on the piano. We always love to have some friends gather around. And we have altos and tenors kind of on this side if you want to group yourself that way. And basses and sopranos over here or wherever. So come on up. 
and join us in singing the hallelujah chorus or from where you're, you are. The hallelujahs are back. 